Hello and welcome to Storytellers of STEM. My name is Rachel Villani. Today's storyteller is Nana Runo. She is an engineer. She's from Mauritius. Um, and she, the primary thing she wanted to talk about today was imposter syndrome, which if you are unaware of what it is, it's the feeling like you are an imposter and somebody's going to figure you out, basically. Um, I feel like everybody has imposter syndrome in some way or another, in some capacity or another. Sometimes it's worse than others. Um, some days it's worse than others. So we talk all about that and like ways that she has dealt with it. And then we also talk about things like the butterfly effect um, and um, the STEM leaky pipeline, which if you haven't heard of that, is sort of like how people, particularly women, leak out of STEM fields like throughout their educational progress. You know, people become, for one reason or another, uninterested in STEM when they're in school and like primary education and high school and then in college and whatever. And it's, um, it's a complex situation. So we talk about that some as well, but if you want to learn more, I would definitely Google it. So at any rate, so enjoy this conversation with Nana. So I'm Nana. I live in Mauritius. It's an island in the Indian Ocean because it's very small. Like lots of people do not know about it. Like it's fine. So yeah, I wanted to talk about imposter syndrome because I went through that when I was doing my when I was doing my university, like going for college. But then I didn't know like I was going through that until last year. I heard about someone on a podcast talking about like famous actress talking about imposter syndrome and I was like oh this is what I feel too <laughs> and I realized when I googled I saw like so many people in engineering academia like in STEM in general facing especially women yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's one of those things that like until you have the word for it you don't know what to call it it's also a thing a lot of people deal with but yeah, I don't know that we talk about it enough, honestly. Yeah, exactly. And once I started, like, knowing the right word, it became so normal. Like, I, I just had to, it, it became so normal. Like, I had to normalize the process because I saw even, like, AOC having, you know, she battled imposter syndrome and everyone in STEM I connected with on Instagram, they said, yeah, us too, us too. I'm like, wait, I'm not the only one. So it's so cool, like, you realize that it's a syndrome, it's a situation you are in, and it's fine. Like, you can live with it. Mm-hmm. Just recognizing it helps. Yeah, giving it a name and acknowledging it uh, is a big step, I think. Yeah. yeah, so do you want to tell a little bit about um, your background, how you got into engineering, and then we'll go through your story? Uh, okay, yeah, sure. I did my studies in mechanical engineering, actually, and I'll be doing my master's in thermal power my MSc, yeah, and then most probably I'll stay in academia or find a, a job in the industry. Depends on what's offering, like what offer comes to me. And yeah, I, I chose mechanical engineering because actually my parents wanted me to do medicine, but I like physics a lot and I didn't want it to do physics, but more likely to do an engineering related course. And I found like mechanical was the best fit. Yeah, so I chose it. I hated the course throughout the year until I graduated and like this year, I'm like, oh, well, I'm so in love with engineering now. That's funny. I, 
It's funny because when I was doing my master's, I studied birds and then I hated birds for like a year or two. And then I was like, nah, they're cool again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you're, when you're in something, sometimes it's hard to, to love it as much. Uh -huh. like yeah, that. like I think burnout when you see, for me, it was like seeing engineering, it's like, oh, it's, it's like so stressful. And then I think it's the same thing for you because you've been seeing birds every day. It's like, uh oh, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it's burnout is really part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So like, how did your imposter syndrome, like what happened with that? Like, how did it show up? How did you manage it? Like, what did you do? Uh, so what happened was, I joined academia last year as a research assistant. And when I was overhearing, you know, students talking about different subjects, I couldn't relate to it. I felt like, okay, maybe I'm not good enough. I'm, I feel like so inadequate. And that's the day when I realized, I, hear, I heard the podcast about imposter syndrome. I realized, yeah, this is what I'm feeling. Because I felt like, oh, okay. Maybe they'll catch me, like they'll know that I don't know anything about this subject. And then when I Google about it, I found like it's very normal. But then how I dealt with it is during this period, I also contacted like three of my friends. I asked them because I was falling out with engineering. I felt like I was not, it was not the right place for me. I asked uh, like three of my friends on a chat on Facebook, I said, Hey, have you ever felt out of love with engineering? Like there were three guys, and all of them say like, "Oh, I never like engineering. Oh, yeah, engineering is not that cool, you know." They said, "Oh, okay, it's not me then. It's fine." And then when I listened to the podcast, I went through like checking on Google. I was like, "Oh, I should normalize this. I should accept." And then I wanted to because I wanted to create like. Uh, like refall in love with engineering, I started following all sorts of STEM accounts on Facebook. No, not on Facebook, sorry, on Instagram. And then I was seeing so many people dealing with it that I could relate. And there was this day when I was uh, in the university campus because I was trying to, you know, like refall in love with engineering. And I saw like a guy on a wheelchair. And I said, oh, yeah, like without this wheelchair, he wouldn't have been here. And this wheelchair is just engineering. And there was a man selling kebab right there. And he was like, yeah, like food processing as well is engineering, building as well is engineering, but transportation and coming to university is engineering. Okay, engineering is important at the end of the day. And that's how, like, instead of trying to be like, you know, a perfectionist and trying to deal with things, I said, okay, let me just accept everything as it is and move like very slowly with the process yeah that's awesome yeah everything is engineering i feel like <laughs> yeah yeah that's cool that well i'm cool not that word it's important that you had that sort of breakthrough because i feel like myself included at times that a lot of times we just the imposter syndrome is like, you know, spinning around in our heads and we just, it just keeps circling, like, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. And it's, you broke that cycle, which is good. Mm -hmm. But I still deal with it. I still deal with imposter syndrome. Like this year I was keynote speaker. 
somewhere where there was other speakers from Fortune 500 companies. And I was from a, like a very small university in a tiny island. I felt like, oh my God, I don't feel like so myself. I felt like dealing with that again, maybe I'm not that good. We'll find out like I shouldn't be there. And I, I have a mentor, it helps. And he told me about, it's better to be surrounded by five people who would lift you up like you can get inspired from when five people that will bring you down. And I felt like, yeah, that's so true because this mm-hmm. women, I don't want to compare myself with them, but I'm very inspired by them. Yeah, I feel like there's, there's like an old, I don't know, it was like a tennis coach one time who told me, um, yeah, you want to play against people who are better than you because that makes you better. But I feel like that's the same idea, right? Like, Surround yourself with people who are also going to make you better. Um, the same idea. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. How'd that talk go? Was it awesome? Sounds like it would be. Yeah. At first, when I did it on the same day, I felt like, oh, maybe it was not that good. But then when I started receiving like positive feedback from all the audience and listeners, I felt like, okay, I was there to share what I had to, and it was like, the talk was done for them. So if I managed to grab something, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And then when I listened to the talk again, when it was published, I was amazed. I thought like it was super bad, but when I watched it, I was like, oh, wow, I did great. Nice, that's awesome. Yeah, I always feel like when you're in something, you always, like I personally sort of blank out after it. I'm like, oh, that was horrible. You know, even if during it, I felt fine. And then if you can rewatch it, you're like, oh, actually, that's pretty good. Exactly. <laughs> Usually. I think we tend to focus on what we did wrong during the talk and really focusing on, as a whole, what we did good. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, recognizing our achievement helps. Yeah, for sure. I love to celebrate all of my friends' achievements, even if they're, you know, to them, tiny. I'm like, no, this is awesome. You did X, Y, or Z. Like, Exactly. You should be so excited and don't worry about the one thing that's not perfect. It's fine. Nobody's going to remember it like in a month. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. I don't know if you've heard about the butterfly effect. It's all the little things gathered together that becomes like a very huge thing that, that, you, that you do. And lately I was t- telling them to a friend that I started taking, you know, like small failures as a vaccination. So it's like this little failure acts like a vaccine for bigger failures. I just create like a resilience for you to face bigger failure later on in life. Yeah. Yeah. And like learning from a failure, big or small, is, you know, growth, which is always good and is really the point of life, really, uh, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, so as long as you learn from it, like you said, you know, which helps you be more resilient against bigger issues later. I think that's good. We're just a a work in progress. Mm -hmm. Always. Yeah. I really think that like the point of life is to just, you know, become a better version of yourself as you, as you move through it, hopefully, you know. We shouldn't just like, just don't settle, like keep on moving, embracing the learning process, the growth process. Yeah. There's so many things out there to learn and do and go places to go or whatever. But like just doing the same thing all the time kind of sounds like it makes 
makes me sound like feel bored. <laughs> like, I don't want to do the same thing every day forever. I want to do something new and I want to learn something different and, you know, grow. Yeah. So you're going to start your master's next. What is your master's in again? It's my master. It's a thought master. 50% thought, 50% research. So it's based on thermal power. More like, you know, jet, jet engine propulsion and also the environment. So for my research, I don't know yet what I want to really focus in. Maybe hydrogen combustion. I'm mm. not so sure right now, but I don't, I don't really know because I have lots of ideas, but I really need to do the course to know if it's really feasible. Yeah, you gotta just do something you can do within a master's also, because, you know, it's got finite boundaries. So, do you know anybody where you're going to start your master's, or is it gonna be a totally new situation for you? Because that's a, that's a big jump. I have uh, my uh, university friend. She was my junior, actually. She's studying there, and she did the same uh, master course that I will be doing. But now she's working with uh, Rolls-Royce and they're, they're sponsoring her, her PhD. Mm. This is, um, yeah, that's amazing. To work, yeah. yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, well, that's cool. There'll be somebody there, you know, around that, you know, because that's a big move. <laughs> exactly. Especially during this period of COVID-19, like you can't travel to see relatives and friends nearby. So Yeah, that's going to be, that's going to be a tough move. What would be your dream job? Uh, working at Lockheed Martin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. Like, I'm so, so, so obsessed with it because um, they actually manufactured, okay, like designed the Juno, the probe for uh, the satellite for Jupiter. Uh-huh. It's a favorite planet. Yeah, so dumb, but I have a favorite planet. <laughs> and also because the chairman is a woman and I look, up to her so much. So this is why I really want to work there at this rich and executive position. That's awesome. I didn't know that their um, chairman was a woman. That's fantastic. Yeah, it is. She, I think she's one of the most powerful women in according to Forbes. I'm not so sure. Uh, maybe. Yeah, it's probably high on the list at least. That's really cool. Yeah, it's not like in my field, so I don't really pay attention to that kind of thing too much in that area, but that's awesome. Yeah. The whole thing made me think of, um, have you ever seen the show or heard of the show, The X-Files? Yeah, when I was very young, so I wouldn't remember. Yeah, you recently watched it? Yeah, well, I'm probably a bit older than you, but um, it was, you know, a sci-fi show or whatever, but the main character, well, there's two main characters, but one of the main characters is a woman and she's a scientist and she's a medical doctor and she's just like, she's just badass and she's just like very sure of herself and was like on TV here when I was, you know, an impressionable, you know, nine or 10 year old. <laughs> and she was just like an example for me. Um, of like what a woman could do and she could do science and it could be awesome and you know nobody would question it and uh, I when you're talking about the woman at Lockheed Martin uh, it kind of just reminded me of like having these people as like examples of what is doable and I think that that's really important like when you told me like she's badass I'm like yeah I like this word I like women when they totally own themselves and are uh, an apologetic about themselves, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, I always just thought she was amazing. And, you know, a lot of times I feel like on TV, women get portrayed as like the side character or as like being incomplete for some reason or flawed or whatever. And um, I don't really think she had any of those issues, you know, like she was equal to the male lead and, you know, had her own opinions and wasn't like reliant on him, you know, which I felt like was normal at the time in TV. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. So having the real, the real point of this is that like having role models is super valuable. Yeah, it is. Like you have some, you have some people to look up to and you know what is doable and not doable and you know where to situate yourself. And if you have like any problem, you know, okay, maybe she wouldn't do that. You can situate yourself and try to say, oh, we should do that if she was in my place. No, she wouldn't. I'm not going to do that. Like trying to have like a badass attitude and say, okay, she's not going to let herself be dominated in this world. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that um, having, also having role models like that, and if you're lucky enough to have some sort of mentor that you can, you know, communicate with, I feel like all of that also helps with imposter syndrome because it's examples of what's out there and it's people, you know, that you can talk to about these things. And yeah, instead of just like it being internalized all the time, you can externalize it and discuss it, which makes it more normal and it makes it, you know, less scary, I guess. And then it's, especially when you talk about it, you feel like, okay, you no longer have it inside killing you and thinking that, okay, it was not normal. Like, when you share it, you're like, even if the person doesn't go through it, like, they can always help. As I told you, like, I have a mentor who helped me with these things. It's just, he guides me. He didn't work through it, but he has something to say based on his experience to help. That's interesting that your mentor said he hasn't experienced it because I think, that, I don't remember the statistics, but it's definitely, like, heavily women who... Uh, experience imposter syndrome versus men, but I don't remember what the percentage is. I think it's yeah. 58 or something like that. But it's mainly uh, women who are in STEM that face it more than someone who's in finance or the other management yeah, related course. Interesting. Yeah, I hadn't seen a breakdown of it um, outside of STEM. That's interesting. I would be fascinated to read all of the psychology around it, even though that's not my field, you know, like just to understand it a little bit better, I guess. Because the really the way I deal with it, I'm just like, okay, this is just the story I'm telling myself in my head and nobody else can see this. So I'm just going to put it on a shelf and ignore it, which I'm not sure if that's the right way to do that, but whatever, it works. And uh, actually, two days earlier, I saw something. It was more about not really imposter syndrome, but overthinking, have, like having anxiety over like some issue as well. Whenever like, you're overthinking about something might happen, if it happened, like you are living it twice. Mm. If it happens, and most of the time it doesn't even happen. So it's one of a way not to overthink, not like just live super calm, like, you know, carpe diem, uh, yellow, you only live one, yeah, yellow. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, the coffee gem for me, badass people. <laughs> yeah, uh, I have a friend who always says, um, 
you know, if you have a particular emotion or feeling or worry or something to just like acknowledge it, like sit with it for a couple of seconds and then tear it down. You know, like if you're feeling anxious or worried about something that might happen, but you don't know and you're just overthinking it and, you know, worrying in circles, kind of stuff like that. I mean, things that you really can't fix. It's hard to do though. Maybe. <laughs> it yeah. depends. A fun situation. Yeah, that's probably true too. Yeah. Let's see. Do you have any advice for people who are interested in STEM or something that you would be willing to share? Yes. We need more girls in STEM. Like, come join us. <laughs> yeah, I think like doing a STEM related course is very important to develop people's critical thinking. So I already advised girl to, and boys to send me as well, to join STEM. Yeah, there's a lot of things that we learn in STEM classes that I, I think I take for granted, like critical thinking, like you said, or, you know, being able to tell the difference between facts and opinions. <laughs> these, these things that are, I feel like, relatively basic, but... You know, Not. when I was in my second level of university, I had no critical thinking. I was so dumb. <laughs> so, 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 so dumb. I have to acknowledge it, yeah. Because I was, you know, like doing things not very engineering related because it was my course. I was just doing it for the sake of doing. Mm. And then when I already get like deep dive on my third level where engineering really became like a huge part in my life because I had to uh, keep the grade going up, you know, because uh, on my second year it became uh, quite low. It dropped, I think, by 4% and I had to rise it up. So I was like, okay, reading about engineering and I was like, oh, wow, like everything you, you read about, it has a reason, it has a purpose. It's just not like you you're going to do something it has a rules and you know like behind those rules there are some theories or you know like behind every hypothesis you have to confirm it with so 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 many like validation before like before you validate it like you have so many experiments to do so this is important like they are just giving it for us like free at least we just learn it try to understand it and it. Yeah, those are skills that are critical even outside of engineering, honestly, or really, you know, can be helpful in life. Yeah, I think that's good advice. Honestly, it wasn't until this past year that I learned about the leaky pipeline, that it has a name, you know, how women enter STEM and then at some point leave STEM, like, you know, a certain percentage leaves sort of at like every stage, you know, for a variety of reasons, but it's, you know, called the leaky pipeline and I only just heard of it last year that it had a name. Oh, I, I just came to you. How, how do we spell it? I, I'm going to search for it. I'm, gonna, I'm going to read more about it because uh, I was uh, actually going through uh, a website and I saw like they were giving awards. It was uh, WISE, a Women in uh, Science and Engineering, I think. Or maybe it was IET. Uh, institution of engineering technology and they were giving like a award to, to women who are, who are you know returnees from who took a break from STEM and who came back to work in STEM so I think it's like quite 
as an incentive for more women to come, maybe. Yeah, because I, I feel like taking a break in a lot of the STEM fields makes it harder to come back because I feel like the fields change so quickly um, that it can be a bit hard to re-enter. Especially if you are doing, uh, you are, you're doing research. Mm-hmm. After two years, it's so many changes, too many. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't take yourself, you have to restart the goal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, I can't remember the percentages and details exactly, but with the leaky pipeline thing, it says, you know, even like in high school, middle school, younger ages, you know, they're, um, don't they they lose interest in STEM maybe not because of STEM but because of you know the situation in the classroom like maybe it wasn't a welcoming environment for one reason or another or they felt intimidated or potentially could be imposter syndrome when they're young you know Um, and then people end up you know not majoring in STEM and some that do then a percentage end up changing their majors or whatever and then say however many graduate from university then some of those end up changing their you know careers after that it's just like a little bit leave at every step and then we end up with like this off balance ratio of people yeah it's it's quite the same thing in my country as well because when we do you can do engineering or any science uh any science subject at university if you don't have science at O level uh, hsc level which is like a middle school and high school so mm-hmm. if already they're not choosing science they can't do it mm-hmm. and then uh, after doing the higher level a lot who did science they choose to do finance or any other related courses like humanities they don't really go into science and engineering or technology and the rest, after graduating, even some of my friends, like, dropped. Like, they dropped uh, the girls, they dropped uh, the, uh, not the course, but how to say, like, not working in engineering to go mm-hmm. to be a teacher, like, for normal subject, you know. Mm-hmm. And I thought, like, it was quite unfair. Like, you did the course for five, four, five years, and then you leave it to do something relatively easier if you did any other subject. I think also it's because we're not very well, like much encouraged, more likely to be intimidated, like you say, maybe because of that as well. Yeah, exactly. I'd have to find the graphic, but I can send it to you. Um, that like draws that all out. And I don't know um, if it was US based or not, the one I'm thinking of in particular. But yeah, it's in the, the idea is that well, there is an idea, I'm sure there's more than one, um, that if we can, we being humans, can reduce, remove the barriers to people, you know, like if someone ends up choosing a different career versus an engineering career, like what was the barrier to choosing the engineering career? Is it uh, inflexible hours? Is it, you know, something else? Is it lack of jobs? I don't know, I'm just making things up. But if it's like whatever that barrier is, can we fix it, you know, and hopefully like, you know, repair the pipeline a bit. That's true. Because same applies because whenever you're looking for, for 
like when I was young, looking up to, you know, not really engineering, but looking for a woman to look up to in science school. Well, I only knew Mary Curie. She was the only one we could see in my textbook until higher level. No one else. This is why I think like it's quite important. And maybe we know about her because she died. <laughs> yeah, and she won, you know, a lot of awards. But also, yeah, she died because of her research. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, and that's funny because at the time, I also didn't really know of anybody else besides, you know, her and maybe, like, I'm sure we talked about Jane Goodall in, you know, biology class or something, but there's only like a handful of people who pop up in classes, even though there's all these amazing women scientists from history that just don't get the airtime, basically. Yeah, that's true. Also, I think like having more women give us a, like, give us a, like, a feeling of like, yeah, we can do it. Like, we are more represented because, uh, you know, like, I wanted, uh, I don't want to, be, to become an astronaut, but... Uh, or maybe I want to. I lucky want it inside. I don't want to <laughs> say it loud. I want it. Okay. Yeah. I, I look up to you know Karen. Uh, I don't know her surname, but she she was working with she was in the ISS, and I was always inspired. Like, wow, I want to be like her because I was watching her YouTube videos. Like she did not vlogging, I would say, but she was making like videos about her. How she washed her hair on space, and I was saying like. I want to become like her, like I want to do it on ISS because you get to see a woman doing it and you're like, it's possible, it's feasible. Yeah, what a role model that is. Yeah, that's awesome. I look up to like all the women who, who just do things. Yeah. Well, yeah, so it comes back to this is why role models are awesome and why women in STEM, why visibility is important. Um, which is why I started this podcast, actually, because I'm doing this program and part of the, the learning stream is visibility, but I can only do so much as like one person, but there's all these amazing people like that I, maybe I can like help them be visible and, you know, and so that's how this podcast was born. So trying to make people in STEM and the podcast is heavily women, which is just how it happened, which is awesome. I was listening to... Carol, uh, Dr. Carol, I went to Google about her and I, I was like, I was so inspired by what she did and I would have never knew about her. Like she's in Marine and because mm -hmm. of your podcast, like the way she shared about her passion and all, like, oh, that's amazing. It's relatable. Despite she being in Marine and I'm in more into aerospace and mechanical, that's amazing. Yeah, I said, okay, dang, I'm so inspired, hoping this will be me when Googling myself in five years. Awesome. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Oh my gosh, that makes me so happy because, you know, and this comes back to, I think, imposter syndrome because um, a lot of people have been on the podcast and are a bit anxious about the podcast coming out because, you know, they don't want to sound they're afraid they said something wrong or, you know, they don't want anybody to judge them or, you know, they're anxious in general or whatever. Like there's a bunch of reasons, but I think really it comes back to like, are people going to listen to this? What if they don't like me, you know, or whatever, which I feel like it's just in, is imposter syndrome again. And maybe also some people are a bit more introverted than, you know, others. But, but I also feel like 
the value of having these conversations out there, like you just said, can be very inspiring and it's pretty accessible to people. And I think that that's awesome and I'm glad that it worked. Yeah, it works, it works. Uh, I have to start downloading because I just sent on my laptop, but I'll do it on my uh, Apple podcast. So I'll do that, I'll listen to all the episodes, definitely. <laughs> There's so many, don't, don't feel pressured. <laughs> I, I listened to another girl who spoke about birds. Yeah, there's been a couple about birds. Um, well, so those are like a lot of, so it's been a mix of people, like people I know and people I don't know, um, which has been a lot of fun for me because I get to have conversations with people that I never would have had, even if it's somebody I know or someone I don't know. Like maybe I never would have had this conversation with you if we, if I hadn't had this platform and I would have never met you on Twitter and all this, like it's, it's been really awesome. Yeah, exactly. And I would have never learned about you and Carol. Yeah. This, and that, so to me, I feel validated because this is working because this podcast is getting to people. People are learning about other people in STEM and what the cool things they do, even if it's not in their field, you know, because in my opinion, STEM is big and awesome and very diverse. And, you know, I want to highlight all of that. Um, so I, it's cool that it's working. We might not have like, uh, like two people might not have like the same passion, but the way you're passionate about something and the way you are passionate about something might be on the same wavelength. That's mm -hmm. the thing I think. Mm -hmm. It can be very contagious too. Like I'm not a Marine person, but talking to Carol, like she's so excited, you know? Uh oh, she's influencing me to get into to get into this vibe of marrying. Yeah, yeah, and just learning new things from new people is great. Yeah, well, thank you for all your nice words, and I'm gonna tell Carol because she's gonna love that. Yeah, do you have anything else you want to share or talk about? Okay, what I would suggest is you know like basically when we go through imposter syndrome, like we're trying to be more perfectionist. So just drop it a little bit, and we try to, uh, especially in my case, I try to overload myself with doing lots of stuff and ending up like having burnout. Mm -hmm. And then I, I started realizing that I have a whole life to live and I have all my time to do all the other stuff. And I started seeing things more likely to be uh, doing things based on maybe there are things I can't do before I'm 30. So I'll do those things that have those criteria I, I need to do before 31st and then move to something else after. And also something I've learned is we might outgrow something later on, but we have to accept that at some point, uh, we, we, we loved it. And something else is for all the people who, who like do the podcast interview and they think that, oh my God, like we didn't do good. Like you did, you did good at that very moment, like the best you could be. And that's amazing, like to do the initiative at least talk about what you wanted to say and also related to this is what you said like right now it could have been like better like maybe after five years you might not think like you you might not have like the same opinion but that's okay you grow out of it mm -hmm. you learn out of it and we are all like uh, as i said earlier like a work in progress and what you said earlier might not be what you you know, like, because we grow with experience. So just own it like, okay, that's who I was back then. It's not me anymore, maybe in five years. So just chill about it, yeah. Don't stress much. Yeah, I totally agree. And like I said, people grow. Um, 
you know, that's who you are at that time. And that's great. And if you are different later, that's also great, you know, so. I used to be tomboy like 10 years back. And now I'm totally like too girly, but that's fine. <laughs> I like who I was back then. It, it helps us, like I said, the butterfly effect. It helps mm -hmm. us grow, helps us, helps us become better, helps us for bigger opportunities later on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I saw something the other day that said, you know, it's okay to change who you are. It's okay to dress differently or wear your hair differently or talk differently or use different words or, you know, whatever, um, which speaks to you saying you were a tomboy and now you are, are not. Uh, it's okay to, to change who you are if there's something you want to change and just do it. Like, we don't have to stay the same person. Um, and that's something that I know I have struggled with. I've, I've always felt like, oh, if I try something different, like, oh, if I wear a nicer top than I normally would, like, you know, somebody's going to comment and be like, Rachel, why are you all dressed up? And I'm going to be embarrassed, you know, but it's okay. If you want to do it, just, just do it, you know, and I think that is a, if that's growth and also it takes being comfortable with yourself, which can be really hard. Yeah. Um, I remember like two years back when I became like so fancy, no one, especially my cousins, my sister, were like quite sure because, oh, how, how no, I can't believe like, why are you so fancy? Like, how could you change so much? Because we, we don't know you like that. And it's just become more me. Like we grow into another person because of different experiences throughout. Mm -hmm. And I like me back then. I like myself right now. Mm -hmm. Like I wouldn't change for anything like to be more girly back then. Like I, I totally own the tomboy me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all of those versions of you were still you, you know, who you were then or who you are now, and that's awesome. So, yeah. I always, now, at the time, I would have never said this, but now I'm like, well, someone doesn't like who I am, that's them. That's on them. Because I think I'm yeah. awesome. Yeah, exactly. When they say, Rachel, wow, you're so dressed up. And you say, yeah, that's a new me, Rachel 2.0. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, reinventing yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's okay. I actually think that that should be, you know, it doesn't always have to be closed or whatever, but like we were talking about earlier, just like growing and being, you know, the better, better is in quotes, a better version of yourself, you know, I think is really the point of life, you know, to be the best person you can be and just to grow and learn new things and, whatever that manifests as is awesome and if someone doesn't like that you've changed in a way that you know they can't deal with and you think you're awesome then that's on them but that's hard to deal with sometimes you do you <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> if, if someone uh, if, if someone mean then tell them oh but you stay the same mean <laughs> yeah exactly growth is important well, thank you so much. It's been so great to talk to you. Oh, well, thank you for like having me today. And thank you for having this podcast. Like, I love the episode, the previous episode, and I'm going to download it and listen to all of them <laughs> every day. <laughs> thank you so much for all your nice words and for listening and for, you know, participating in, uh, you know, all the things you said, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. 
Hey all, it's Rachel. Thank you so much for listening. So here is where you can find us. You can find me on Twitter at Flying Um, There's no Twitter page for the podcast because I didn't want to manage a bunch of Twitters. So since the podcast is an extension of me, find the podcast on Twitter at Flying Cypress, which is me, Rachel Villani. Also, if you're on Facebook, you can find the podcast at Storytellers of STEM on Facebook, STEM with two M's. Um, Everything we talk about uh, will be shared in the Facebook page and also on Twitter, like I said. So go like the Facebook page, follow me on Twitter, um, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And yeah, thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy.